Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me Jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. In our last episode, we delved into the captivating journey of Sham, exploring his experiences in university, subject selection, and participation in online hackathons. We witnessed his personal growth and the power of following one's passion. If you missed it, be sure to catch up on that inspiring conversation. Now, as we transition into part 3, get ready to embark on a transformative exploration. Join Sham as he unveils the challenges and triumphs of transitioning from offline to online learning during the pandemic. Discover the benefits of cloud computing, transparent pricing, and workload adaptability. Sham shares his invaluable internship experience at Oz, emphasizing the importance of certifications and the differences between online and offline internships. Tune in to gain insights into continuous learning, effective communication, and the ever-evolving world of technology and education. This episode is a must-listen for anyone seeking to navigate the new landscape of remote education and embrace the opportunities it presents. So let's continue this enlightening journey with Sham. Yeah. Let, let me ask you an interesting question. Is that like when you are in university days or party days, you definitely have to learn a few different subjects. And I say different subjects are different technologies, text, different tools. There's definitely no doubt that university or polytechnics or education or even these days organization, they want people to learn. No doubt. But would you always want to have exam every single day? No, right? 
you won't want to have exam with every single day because in the same way, hackathon is just a short compressed exam mode for that short span of time. But right. when you start to work, people want employees to work longer, longer periods, longer tenuring. I don't want you to work six months and then you go and jump to another company when you're two years. There is definitely a need for learning, but there's also a need for right appropriate, I call it cadence of working rhythm. There, there needs to be that balance. In other words, if companies were to focus on coming to bring along a group of great talents to solve a problem, the uncertainty is the problem, not the text. And for example, if, if you learn English, now I'm asking you to go to Japan to conduct a business in Japanese. Yes, you, I want you to learn, but to turn around to close a deal in Japanese in 30 days, man, you'll be having a very big difficult time, right? Because it's a very press compressed pressure. But now, if I ask you to go to London to close a business deal in 30 days, it's the same idea. If you have the programming language, if you're good at Flutter, I just ask you to, instead of making a chatbot, I ask you to use to make a computer vision application because your, your stack is there. So your problem set is a chatbot or computer vision. But now having, now you have to figure out another tech stack. You have another subject to learn. That's what is your view on that? Yeah, that's a good point. That's the one, but definitely, that, that's why I think for, that, that's what the Hackathon solved for. One of the ways that the Hackathon solved this problem is actually, they actually, they, they actually have, like you mentioned before, they actually have an onboarding process oh. for all participants uh, at the start. At the start, they actually have recommended success that the, that uh, maybe they are using, they see the bank and they want, they want to see uh, how we do it together as a team. Uh, and there are recommended success that they bring from that we are recommended to work on. So I think before the hackathon, they actually did this, but they also had for us that if we want to work on our own tech stack, we are able to do so. Oh. So let's say, yeah, so we can overcome this problem of how we found before and five different tech stack. We can actually work on our own tech stack. But one method that actually communicates between the team because during the process of delegation, whether are your requirements very specific, for example, if you are leading the team, or, or let's say if you're the back end, are your requirements very specific to whatever that you are developing, that topic? For example, each of us can work on our own tech stack, work on our own requirements, and then at the end present our own set of, of requirements that we work on for our own tech Can I say that then that means there must be somebody to step up to be the lead, right? And the lead right. would have to have a breadth of different tech stack in order to communicate, to make sure that understanding of communication of that requirement whether, like you say, it's in Flutter, in Python, in JavaScript, you know, Angular, front-end, back-end, it's clear. So that the individual member who take that requirement, he can deploy or execute on his own specific stack and yet fulfill the overall requirement compact by the, well, all the members, correct? Yes, but that can only work if each team member um, breaks here on what requirement that they need to, need to do or overcome. And if this is, if you are given a set of requirements that aren't clear or that are not very specific, then you definitely will have enough questions, right? Yes, so, how do you solve that? Exactly. The fun is, from an hackathon, like, for example, for me, if I'm actually requirements or I'm sure of how, how, um, how is this particular API is going to be educated with, let's say, the, the comments set. In like this, I would actually bring forward these questions and repeat for discussion. And uh, definitely there will be Different viewpoint for the various team members. But I think take the best viewpoint with the most efficient 
execution at the point of time. I think that that's very important because sometimes one follower can solve in a hundred different ways, right? So the challenge is to know or decide on the best, the best solution to the problem at the particular point of time, because we do have that point at the front time. And, and at the same time, we do have to move things from any problems that we face. Definitely, we have to communicate with the team, take the particular problem, get it out there, say, okay, so for example, I tried this, I tried a few solutions, but none of them are working. Do you guys have any other solutions that in your experience would solve this problem? We work on a problem, try to solve the problem yourself, and recommend the steps. Mm. And then if that doesn't work out, then let's go forward to the case, saying, telling her that we've created this, I've tried this few steps. Just need you guys know, you guys have, you guys know why from okay. And then we, some of them just correctly just done things that you never even thought of. So they will actually give you maybe this, some of the stuff that you know are wrong. So they can correct that. But at the same time, if the team actually knows about the way it's not possible to do so to solve the problem, then they will actually recommend or they actually hunting a few rebody different solutions or newer solutions to the particular problem. Yeah, so I think definitely communicating the theme is very important. Asking the theme on problem that, that you're having thirty minutes, uh, it's also quite very important. Along the lines, because you've done an offline hackathon and online hackathon, what is the difference in the communication experience? Because even if you just talk about the requirements, talk about let's say the pseudo code, talk about the specific problem steps, how do you feel? What's the feeling in terms of the difference? Tell us a bit more. Yeah, I. For offline hackathon, you have here, then your idea of how to bring a problem across, because sometimes you're programming something on it, and something goes wrong. Since we are in a critical space, you can actually, so for example, if you are right in front of me, I can actually ask about it. Really I'm having this problem, and what what you get it, I try these steps. So I'm going to say 30 seconds, but you are right then. For, for online, I think we agree to really go out there to Take the initiative, the share on screen, call the key for a while, say that, okay, sorry, I need problem. Can you look at it for a while? For five minutes, I try this like share on screen and then highlight the portions when you have the problem with highlight on key steps or highlight the, the error messages that may as well during that problem. And to actually communicate very clear objectives to the team in terms of what do you want, know what are the different inputs that you have given the program and what are the Expected output and what you're getting right now is how is it defined from the expected output? All that areas troubleshooting effects. Yeah. So I think definitely for online, it's more even shifted to, to get your point across or to, to, really, to really make your team understand your plans in a more clear manner. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, in other words, in short, is that there is a difference between online and offline hackathon. Offline, there's a lot more nuances get communicated across. It's very easy to get your point across for a specific problem set or specific pseudocode. But as well as for online, you have to make a deliberate effort and shout out so that everybody's attention is onto the same screen and you have to be very clear and visible on the specific item. Okay. Yep. So let's talk about the next interesting question is after the hackathons end up, you are applying for an internship and you did an internship at E. And it's most of your internship. In that moment is uh, online, right? You don't go to the office, right? Hi. So I did my internship in uh, 2020. I did for 2020 and 2020. Over there, I think COVID just started off. Oh. Yeah. And uh, part of it was actually semester before my internship. 
And halfway through the semester, they, and not all pieces had the string up Singapore SMB. I was in a word piece and I'm applying. Yes. So the semester, like, I think halfway through the semester, uh, actually, we checked that exams, we don't have to actually sit for exams on our grades on based on the project work that we actually paid in the set. Definitely something that, that was very different for us because that maybe we, we will very new stone study for again, like then physical area, physical space. So all of the, so that, that transition mm-hmm. works online to online, so it's very, uh, I would say, a bit more hectic than we expect that. Oh. And then for the students, because definitely it was quite a new norm for us to be graded just only based on code. Oh. Tell, tell us more about like how you feel and how your friends feel about that sudden transition. What goes into your head? For me, I actually felt aesthetic because for me, I prefer applying my learning to projects and before probably a great answer to that so I prefer project work as compared to study pointing or on that theoretical memorization normally examinations for me I prefer more to project work so definitely I was very excited because I think mostly for human studies I know that in I put on better in project definitely for me I bring that part of the semester where we are solely graded just on project actually Perform Charlie better than the rest of the semester, and I think for me and my friends, we during that point of time, we actually had more time to explore. So, for example, after the semester, the semester actually could spend more time actually going for interviews for various internship companies, spend more time learning a lot of skill sets. Doing, I think, now but more lead code, lead code, we all the problems, problem statements over there, grinding or basic code questions to prepare for the interviews. I think most of it was more like a blessing in design thing that because it was quite active. And you know, even if we had exams, it'll be, it'll be more active for us. Like that. So I think definitely for me and my friends, we were quite thankful that they decided to actually do a team that did not have exams like that. Because it actually helped us to actually better prepare for us for the things to do with companies. What about friends who love exams? How do they feel? Yes. So, for us who look for like that, I think they, it's actually, they actually felt quite sick that we couldn't do it the normal way. Especially for a students who love the whole way of examination, I think both of were quite sad for the fruition that we did get solely on, on project. Yeah, so the, that's why after that, I think they did, because it was a, a bit too far. So they actually, they said that she, like the process of transition to a digital exam, because not this, and not the students who are not enough for that to perform that event, they actually, their strict diploma actually have to adapt to their style too. So definitely it was a, a very new experience for that. And do they express mental stress? Because there's that sudden change in life, right? Those kids that love exams, suddenly they realize they have to base on project which they are not strong in. How do you help them or have you ever even offered them advice? For I, for me and my friends, mostly we be for short project work. So part of learning on projects. And then they are everything. But I think for these people, I've only met one of them. I don't think it's much more on mental stress or things like that. You know, like that. Because depending if we have been graded on subject, that we spend more time doing a more well-polished project and to submit. And uh, the school was actually quite kind to actually give us extensions in a lot of the project works back then because the, the transition was actually really, really fun. They actually gave us some kick room to actually play around and actually polish our projects for them before submitting. 
Yeah, so I think school also plays quite a the management of the school also plays quite a huge role in getting students to end up being involved. Okay, so continue back with uh, a part of that transition, you were doing projects and then how do you, you eventually apply to AWS, you did as you love the culture and now you go in and you realize that it's a digital online internship compared to your poly days when you have IBM, it's an offline internship. How is that different? I'll tell us more about it. Yeah. So for uh, my internship in, in, in AWS, there were three points for me. So was a very new thing from back then. And uh, so... When I first came, there was a lot of things to my school. And so, for example, for me, I learned a lot on yeah, automation technologies recently, first like yeah, such as our sales manager and also S3 and EC2. So, all these are automations and so on. we are more in To the audience out there who are very new and keen to know these terms that like you talk about, EC2, three buckets, Lambda, what, what are these? Are these a concept are under AWS cloud? Is it a helping people to build an application cloud? Or what is cloud to the kids up there? Yeah. Cloud is actually in, these are actually services that AWS offers. Actually, something that is new to help us out there. Because traditionally, before, on the, or before the popularity of cloud became apparent, previously we were doing, so for example, a example would be building a website in the cloud to doing a good website to you who back then for every initial instances in JavaScript for the functions mm-hmm. and then for we had to actually have the database MSN slot MySQL slot or MySQL and so for let's say those are SQL databases but they also know as well such as back then there was Google I think they they had then no SQL database for Google but for for database actually for them would be me and no SQL database or not this Back then, we had to actually couple these together. We get a web hosting company, down and other outside based on CTMO or, or if you are doing units and also and all over that. All of these are actually integral components. When you sign up for a web hosting company and the digital web hosting company, we wanted to actually go, sorry, there, they do offer some stories for this web hosting company, but all the pricing was actually not the same throughout the the various web hosting companies. So sometimes we find, our, find ourselves commissioning between one service provider to another because sometimes we eat and we have to move it maybe year on year. And, and web hosting companies were actually charging, their uh, pricing model was actually quite different back then. Uh, they were actually charging sometimes per month mm-hmm. and you actually pay more on, you know, if you wanted to actually get bill funding, uh, you actually have to pay more on you know, one on month uh, as compared to if you want to actually do it uh, for four years. Hold, for example, hold, hold on to that first. Uh. So for the audience out there, let them try to understand the difference between non-cloud and cloud. But am I right to say yeah. that, let's say in the old days where, just do a very simple example, a mom and pop shop, they, let's say they sell washing clothes services or sell a McDonald's burger. And if there's somebody who wants to buy it, they have to set up an e-commerce website. Right? And then you have a front end and you have to host it on a server or a computer, right? And it has to be at a specific uh, place, let's say the office, right? A server in an office and it's fixed. So anybody else goes through the internet, they have to host it in a specific location. Now, as compared to the cloud, uh, it is almost everywhere in the world. Uh, if one, somebody wants to buy, let's say, a clothes from, let's say, India, they can host a server in India, even though they are in America, right? Am I going to say that this is one of the major difference between uh, non-cloud and cloud? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
And uh, I think what it is actually the for it's actually it actually enables our very transparent pricing model as compared to the traditional pricing models offered by this various coating for members. Yeah. yeah. So they're very transparent on and, and it's the same pricing model throughout for all aftermarket. So you won't actually have to and they actually offer uh seventy they actually offer the cheapest for some fact with the three white. Just for example like Diva Strange has three they actually paid a few cents or a few for a few gigabytes for sort. You know, those are the cheaper forage than get down yet. And then for example for virtualization, I think the key point of cloud is actually pay for what you need. Mm. I think that's, that's actually the one of the key factors of why the ISO model is very transparent and you actually get a lot of services if you want to yeah. So for example, mm. you don't have to search for or you don't have to actually help around or pricing strategy various hosting services. Okay. And then uh, let's give another one. example to the audience out there. Like for transparent pricing or for understanding about you pay for what you use it. So let's go back to the example of that mom and pop shop of the old servers and the cloud, right? So in the oldies, if you want to buy hosting services, you have to buy the bandwidth services and it now may come with a package, right? And this package, let's say, I don't know, just to give an example, I say 10 gigabytes of, and then you also have this thing called the bandwidth, is how many people can go onto your site, correct? And then this is typically, let's say, just make a simple numerical example, $50 per month. So it's only specifically to 10 gigabytes to, let's say, 100 people going to your website to buy. And suddenly, if there's 1,000 people going to your website to buy, then you have to buy a bigger package. But then if the next month, only 20 people go to your website to buy, you are stuck with that 1,000 people per site. Correct? You see that? Whereas for transparent pricing or cloud, if every single person that comes in to buy on your website, you are charged on that single instance cost. Am I going to say that? In other words, you have more flexibility on a unit pricing model relative to a package tier pricing model. Am I going to say that? I know. Right. And also, I think one of the advantages of fee for what you use is what you mentioned before is actually to adapt the pricing to normal people. So, for example, like you mentioned before, this fact, one of the top shop, they actually have Let's say other customers or that other digits is generally from our own business. But in February, because of the viral market, they can pay maybe they have 100,000 digits or 100,000 new user accounts. They are just being inside every day, every single day. Definitely the transition. Firstly, I think the transition of the mobile number, if their site can handle that from users and the public movement, it doesn't mean that their site can handle 100,000 users in the future. I think one of the one of the beauty of our of the services actually, you can actually do, or you can adapt your work in various situations. As a for actually do a auto scaling for your uh, different cell within your drop on the cloud. And uh, over there, so for example, it suddenly scales immensely. Let's say the user base scales immensely for one or month. You can actually do that with the cloud easier than trajectory. Okay, talking about that, interesting question I asked for the audience of them. Okay. Let's say they're in a traditional model where they have a single server and they buy in package, like you say, 10,000 users, say in the following month, 100,000 users. What happened if they, and in that scenario that people are stuck with that model, what would I just like for the mom and pop who runs that e-commerce shop after the, the 11,000 users come on board? What happened to the website? Yeah. So I think would the servers may not be able to handle such a huge mode. Yeah, so what, what does it mean for the mom and pop shop when he goes to the website that the 11,000 customers can call this 
my mom said, hey, I cannot go to your website. Is it something like that? So you may be that their site may be very small people. People from the payments one more than they may have. So your facts the user experience or user experience of something at first, they can reply. So this would be that a number of users would have would face their stone of channel at some point of time. So what they have to do is actually this month from the actually have to buy more bandwidth or buy buy a more expensive night with more bandwidth for them to actually increase this usage at the point of time. Can you give me an example of what is snow? Because these days, everything is slow. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Is it like one hour or one day? Like that, even 11,000 customers, when they go onto a site which is 10,000 in a traditional model, how slow would it be? So for, yeah, so I think you're actually, you are actually asking on how, how, ideally how fast your uh, website will work. Uh, yeah, obviously the ideal situation in the cloud environment for people, because it's just to give you an idea, because people always take for granted, like people like, oh, I want to build a website, Amazon, I want to build a website, Facebook, because Facebook, Amazon are cloud, right? And they're instantly fast, like a few seconds. People don't feel it. But when people use a traditional website, a traditional way, it's five minutes and it hasn't even loaded the page. Is that what you call slow? I don't know. Yeah, so I think, but Nick, that the, uh, I think some of the companies actually doing research on this on, on website note types. But I think the role of Trump is actually, if, I think it was more than 10 seconds. I'm not sure of this figure, but uh, we, we can confirm that. But I think it was, if, if the website doesn't look for, or is unresponsive for 5 to 10 seconds, then it's the first time just hit the site. Definitely, especially with the attention economy that we have now, it's getting the patience of uh, website visitors are uh, getting lower by the day. So definitely, if we innovate the second efficiency or very fast website, and that comes from up to the structure and the backend. So yeah. So to the folks out there, audience who want to run an e-commerce shop, like I mean, I was transitioning to digitization. Uh, I said to you, is is e-commerce before cloud? They will be thinking the traditional way of thinking. Okay, I run a physical shop. The guy, the customer that comes in, walk by two or three minutes. I don't even serve it because I'm busy serving my other customer. It's okay. You can. Week, two or three minutes. But on the real world, in the digital e-commerce, like you say, if the guy stays on a website for 10 seconds and it doesn't refresh, doesn't go to the checkout, he will just close the website, right? So that means to the mom and pop shop, he is losing money on the 11,000 or 12,000, 13,000 customer. Am I saying? The user retention. Yeah, like how a lot of us, the pickets for hundred positive applications on website actually from there. So I think Okay, so com- coming back to, thanks for sharing the, the, all these concepts to the audience out there because they're learning as we speak. Coming back to that internship where you were learning about cloud technology and how many certificates are there in AWS and how many certificates you have to take to do your internship? Yeah, so there isn't really a, a hard to take your internship because we are over on learning. Getting guidance from seniors, guidance from the our managers, our mentors. Is it really a hard work to take? Quite it goes to the around twelve certificate. Then get fit. So it goes from the very basic part by digital to be the associate and professional level certification. And then you you do have those are the basic ones, but you do have specialty certification in machine learning. In that okay also. Yeah. So those are the extra that you have to take to actually improve yourself in people's 
to not cutting in. I think definitely, uh, uh, definitely with, with more areas of flex trade out. Mm-hmm. I think definitely you can see that in the future that we've been more than just popping up here and there. But yeah. So, so during your internship, how many certificates you took up or you voluntarily learned in order to, to be able to do the job, do the internship? Yeah. So I think for internship, it's it, uh, not that mandatory when you do uh, well in the job because yeah, we are all like at the point of time. But for for internship, why the was actually quite a very defended and old internship. Mm-hmm. And, and we are recommended or we are recommended as much as we can educate. But for example, for the, at the NSA flight, and to have not more than half the neighborhood clients on TV, the certification actually that's an extra and short thing here that we are much better in my app. So it's not like the very for it does. Yeah. Um, for, for full timers, there, there is a TPI that they are being Things are always changing. Every single year, during the child events, we actually have a lot of new development coming. And, and uh, it's always good to really refresh the very new services that we come to get the fit between child requirements. So I think definitely new services for people every now and then. We are always recorded to be actually take uh, as many sets as we can. Yeah, but not, not very different requirement. Yeah, we can actually we also focus on other types of projects. We can also focus on other types of opportunities. Things on like the check, but we always highly recommend it to actually take as much as we can. Coming back to that question about how is it different from an online internship with could be any company, I just how it happened in AWS, and then compared to an offline internship with IBM, what's the difference in terms of the experience in in general? Yeah. Definitely, the, the challenge for online internships is actually, again, communications. Because, <laughs> yeah, communications is actually a very important role. Because we're not physically often. So, definitely getting that, I think, getting that energy out is always a challenge. Getting that energy getting that, that energy on the team, always keeping that up. It's actually quite, quite a challenge. And uh, I think, most probably for doing that, the reality is that it's not fully online. For the first few months, it was, but potentially, so during the bit, the checkups, we actually get to go back to office oh. and communicate with the client, make the team comfort and go for lunch, go for And on the other hand, it's also very important to have offline session. For example, online, online sessions, they pick up most of the time. Like online meetings, you can pick up most of the time. Uh, you have the catch-up sessions during maybe two, two times a week. At, at the part of life. So the line, there's yeah. also offline session in the online internship with EBS. Right. Correct. Yeah. So because if that's what encourage to actually uh, make our own without session, how offline is that as online? Like, to get the noise at the table. Yeah. So I think that means it's so very important that we work from home, BH or online, online working or study. I think it's very important to have also offline session. You should get the yes, please call it. Almost yes in person, and for you to really get more, get to go back for face to face rather than just online. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of online sanctions also, and uh, a lot of uh, this, yeah. So this would actually fit the between the online and the offline, and get to go the keep more with the in that with those online sanctions. But also, I think one good thing was actually we find the shit every single week. We have a day that. The whole field actually meets together online. Oh. And so we actually keep them, play some games, and stuff like for you know, that one hour of 
he defunded our wedding festival. And then on the first half of the wedding festival, the second half of the wedding festival, they had a bit of for more than a few of the TVs that were organized instead. And then at the start of the TVT, we can share more about how how have our David, what are some of our hobbies for them. Thank you for joining us on this captivating journey with Sham so far. In part three, we delve into the transformative world of online learning, the power of cloud computing, and Sham internship experience at Oz. If you missed it, be sure to catch up on those valuable insights. As we embark on part four, get ready to explore the fascinating realm of online work environments and the future of collaboration. Join Andrew and Sham as they delve into the significance of team bonding and communication, uncovering the secrets to converting internships into job offers. Prepare to gain a deeper understanding of the role of artificial intelligence in transcription tools, scheduling software, and the exciting connection between the metaverse and blockchain technology. This engaging discussion will expand your knowledge and inspire you to embrace the endless possibilities of the digital age. So don't miss out on this next episode as we unlock a wealth of valuable information and intriguing perspectives. Tune in now and get ready to be captivated.